0: called Go Big, you heard Matt referring to a book earlier that was called Go Big, uh, written by one of the guys in the group Do Perfect, who is going who be are. Obviously, I've been there the last three weeks. But where are my, uh, where's my hardcore people? Who has been here for week one and week two to hear me talk? And you're here last week to hear Matt talk. And you're me back who's, who's been here? This is your fourth one, Awesome. So you guys are the ones who are really with this. You you may be called upon to help out some people who don't know what the heck's going on or who is having trouble understanding. So anybody here, you raise their hand. If you have trouble. If you, you know, they're, they're the ones who are going to help you out. Uh, a few of them I saw raise their hand. I don't know if I'd ask those people. I'm not very trustworthy, but there's a few of them out there that raise their hand that I think you guys can connect with. So we've been talking about in the last couple weeks this idea called Go Big. <laughs> go big in your walk with Christ. Stand You know, one of the things that I love hanging out with high school students and middle school students is that, for the most part, they don't ever want to do anything that is boring. They don't want to do anything that they're only going to put half of their effort into. Uh, They live with a level of excitement that not many adults I know live with. And so I enjoy hanging out with you guys. I love hanging out with our students because uh, students, for the most part, more than adults, live out a lifestyle that that adapts itself to, to go big. And so as we've been talking over these last couple weeks, in order to live out your faith in this golden kind of way, to really live for God, it's not a choice to be a casual Christian. I've talked to so many people over the last, well, shoot, years in youth ministry, and uh, you ask people, like, what do you believe about God? And they'll say, you know, I'm a Christian. Or they might say something a little more specific, like, well, my family's Catholic. And they might kind of lay out a base, you know, something like that, like those general statements. And then I begin to ask them, like, well, what does that mean to you? Uh, we go to church a times here. Uh, I think i got a Bible in my closet. And they talk about, you know, well actually they don't talk about what it is that they believe and what it is that they do. They have this kind of casual atmosphere with their faith. But really, this whole idea of being a casual Christian, this goes in the face of a God who is not casual in his pursuit of us. And when he sent his son to die for us, he was not casual. And so we have kind of built this in... On this idea called Go Big, that to really impact our world for God, we need to have a plan that things don't just usually fall on our lap when it comes to the things of God. That we have to pursue it, that we have to live it, that we have to act on it, that we have to give feet to our belief, give actions to our faith. So many of you have heard this statement. Uh, it's a statement that Ellen has kind of embraced over the last couple of years. I think we heard a guy named Pete Craig say it to us at the Desperation Conference a couple years ago, that same conference that Matt's talking about this part of our summer trip. Uh, this is what he said, and I know he's not the one who says it, but this is kind of the one that stuck with us when he said, pray as if everything depends on God, and live as if everything depends on you. When you think about that again, I'm going to say it one more time. Pray as if everything depends on God, but then live as as if everything depends on you. Now that might sound like a paradox, if you've ever heard that word in writing or in uh, philosophy or in theory, that they kind of contradict each other. But I'm here to talk a little bit tonight about how both parts of those are so crucial if you are going to build your faith in God. Because the first part says, pray as if everything depends upon God. In other words, recognize God for who He is and realize that nothing's going to happen without Him, that if we don't pray that God is not going to kind of connect with us, and he's not going to build a relationship with us because he really wants to, but if we don't talk to him and if we don't pray, those things are not going to come about. And I think most of us here in this room, probably if you showed up to Element tonight, you have some interest in God. You have some faith in God. You at least have some curiosity about who God is and what he wants with you. you. And you probably, to varying degrees, believe in the power of prayer. One of our core beliefs in Element is that God answers prayer and He hears all of our prayers. And He responds to that. He even acts on our behalf, the Bible tells us that. Second part. Pray as if everything depends upon God, but live as if everything depends on you. This is the tough one. This is the tough one that means when the rubber hits the road, what am I going to do? When the tough times come, how am I going to respond? How am I going to live my life? Yeah, I'm going to pray as if everything depends upon God, but I'm going to get out and do stuff. I'm going to get out and talk to people. I'm going to get out and do this, do that. Go here. Go there. We kind of let go of the second part of that sometimes. Live as if everything depends upon you. You know, we, we've been kind of using this phrase throughout the last couple of weeks. This idea that when it comes to God's plan to change the world, you are God's plan A. And there is no plan B. In other words, this means we are God's first and foremost weapon change the world you are I don't just mean people in general I don't just mean that guy at that church I don't just mean this pastor but I mean you God's plan A if we want to see the kingdom grow if we want to see God come down and change the world it's up to us he's called us to live in such a way that as we let him use us his purposes are going to be seen all the people of the world who come to know him Everybody will grow closer to him. So in building this idea, this big idea called Go Big, we've been talking about a couple of themes. The first night that I talked, I used the phrase, get excited. Some of you even began to brainstorm. We even had some cards. Some people wrote down some of their ideas where we asked ourselves, what makes me passionate? What in my life am I so excited about? Some of you were able to name like a sport or a hobby or something that you do that you just love it. If you could do it every waking hour, You would do it. Some of you, were was uh, some people that you were just, you're excited about your friendship with them, family, you know, friends at school, like that's what makes you passionate. You just want to talk to them all the time. You want to hang out with them all the time. Some of you had a vision that was a little bit more broad. Some of you thought of things in the world. That's another thing I love about teenagers, that you guys have a view outside of yourself that sometimes people who are kind of locked into a career, locked into a pattern, they just kind of do that. Go to work, go home, go to sleep, get up, go to work, go home. They into that pattern. I know a lot of students, maybe it's because they haven't settled into those patterns yet, but they see farther out. It's what makes 13-year-olds go on mission trips around the world. It's what makes 18- and 19-year-olds put off a good-paying career for a year or two to go and serve God full-time somewhere this idea called Get Excited, this was just the beginning. Determining what you were passionate about, what you kind of wanted your life to be about. We took it one step farther and we said, not only do we need to get excited, we need to own this. We need to make a plan and execute the plan to do something about it. Because you know if you just get excited about something. If you're like me, a lot of times when you're laying in bed at night and your brain is just kind of going all these different directions. Whether you're just listening to a song and your iPod that's pumping you up or whether you're just kind of doing that. You know, when I lay in bed, it's like 11.30, and part of me is staring at the alarm clock, I'm ticked because I know I'm going to be tired in the morning, but then part of me is like, thought this way, then thought this way, then thought this way, and I have these all these grand plans. <laughs> in the morning, I never remember any of them. I know it's really frustrating. So I get excited about these things, and I have these ideas, but then I never do anything about it. If you leave it at the first step and get excited, it's worthless. But If you take it to the next plan, the next step, which is to own it, you're moving in the right direction. You're starting to become a little bit more purposeful and you're working towards your goal, not looking backwards. And then beyond that, Matt talked to you last week about the idea called inspire others. He said people weren't designed to do things on their own. He read the story from Nehemiah in the Bible, and he talked about how Nehemiah got all the people, all the Israelites around Jerusalem to get pumped up about rebuilding their city, which to them at that point in history... At that point in their lives, this was a crucial thing that he needed to get people excited. He rallied people around him. Matt began to talk about inspiring others. You know, there were quite a few smirks and and giggles last week when Matt began to talk about trolls. He talked about trolls on the internet and how people just just want to mess with you. They just want to drag you down and tell you you can't do it. And I I think that really hit home with you guys. You know, I think there's one thing that I thought about when I went home is that there is this massive troll called the devil. And the devil is like the world's most effective troll, because he's actually messed with and trolled on probably about three quarters of the world, somewhere around five to six billion people. And you know, I, I talked to a student, um, I don't think she's here tonight, two weeks ago, after I was done speaking, she came up to me, and she said, hey, you know, I don't know, I guess it started as a... New Year's resolution, it's not that anymore, she said it's been about a week or two, I've been praying every day, and I've been feeling closer to God than I've ever felt in my life, I'm not even really sure I understand this whole Jesus follower thing, but I'm starting to get it, and about two days ago, I started getting depressed, and I started, like, feeling worthless, and I started, I I missed one day of the time that I had set aside to pray, I just kind of, like, I just didn't feel like it stuck. Or that, like, it doesn't make a difference. And I said, oh, I said, you have reached a point to where everyone reaches where all of a sudden the devil goes, whoa, this person has been doing nothing for their whole life. And all of a sudden they're starting to spend time with God. They're starting to change their life. They're starting to change the way they do things. And all of a sudden the devil wakes up and he kind of gets jealous. And he starts to troll on you. He starts to follow you around. He starts to feed things to you. It's like those little posts online that go underneath there. That's like, that's fake. That's worthless. You suck. You can't do it. He begins to speak those lies into your ear. He's the ultimate troll. But you've got to reject those lies. If you want to talk about inspiring others, or whether you want to be inspired by others, you're going to have to ignore those kinds of things. And some of you, unfortunately, you've let the devil troll on you. And you've let those comments. And sometimes those comments come right in your own head, and sometimes they come right in your own heart. But sometimes, which I don't know if it's more hurtful or less hurtful, sometimes they come from people that care about you. And the devil will use people in your life to speak some of those kind of troll comments to you. You've got to reject those lies. You've already talked about getting, getting passionate, getting excited. You've talked about, man, I'm going to own this. I'm actually going to do this. At this point, when you start to do stuff, When you start to execute your plan, when you start to live it out, that's when the troll is going to come. The little ones and the big ones. But this week, we're going to talk about uh, the last kind of response that seems to naturally follow this process. Well, actually, as we get excited and make big plans and try to inspire others, if we don't really make an impact on our world, on other people that are really getting excited and (laughs) Um, you know, starting to make this plan and starting to inspire other people, it's not really going to do a whole lot if you don't actually have an impact. If there's nothing felt by other people, if there's nothing felt by the world by you having all these great plans, and oh man, I can make a list of all my great plans that I never thought through on. It's almost embarrassing sometimes when I think about them. I don't think about them too much, I think about what I want to do right now. I don't want to remember all my past failures. I want to look at what I can do right now. Actually, this idea, though, is weaved into all of those steps. Because even as you start to get excited, even as you just start to own it, and as you start to inspire others, the last idea called give back is an idea that is weaved into all of those things. Whatever it is that you're excited about, whatever it is that you actually start to own it, you start to take on that plan and live it out. And as you begin to inspire others to be a part of it with you, all of those Reflect on the idea of give back. You know, if our plan so far has been all about the us, though, it's all about me and all about my plan. It's not really going to hold a lot of value. Maybe think about this example. Think about got an NFL quarterback. He is excited about his. You know, maybe it's his rookie season or he, he's kind of been traded to a new team. He's, he's ready to just have this awesome season. He wants to be the best quarterback in the league. He gets excited about that goal. He works out. He is like last one to leave the field, last one to leave the gym working out. I and mean, he's just really pouring himself into it. He gets excited about his goal. He works towards his goal. He even inspires others. He gets other people to get on his train to be the best quarterback in the league. He works with his linemen. He's like, this is what we need to do. You need to protect me this way. He's getting on his running backs. He's getting out his wide receivers to make sure that he achieves his goal of being the best player in the league. But if it's all about him, if he doesn't give back to his team, to his city, to the community, what does that achieve? But what if he has a plan to use his talents to make his team win? To build pride within his city? To begin to, I don't know, he could you know, help use his fame to help people inside the city. Start a charity. Get his team organized to serve people in the city. This could actually have a huge impact. And I think you probably know the stories of different People who are in famous positions who have taken both of those two pathways. Ones who have been in, on it for themselves, and ones who have been in it for other people. This idea of give back, though, I think a lot of times when we hear the words give back and to give, we automatically start thinking about money, and we start thinking about the word charity. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that the word charity or the idea of charity is bad because it's awesome. Even that element. We've been talking about, I don't think we've ever used the word charity, but we've been talking about this whole idea of the hard work project and about changing lives. In fact, I on purpose have never used the word charity. And some of you can see the, the little box over there that's been up here on Friday nights for the last couple months. talking about donating to these kids who live in Africa who don't have food, who don't have clean water, who don't have the uh, chance to go to school. And we've been talking about destiny changing destiny and this idea of giving back out of our wealth and out of our time and our treasures to these people who have nothing. This idea of giving back, it's not just about these awesome charities that serve the world, or even serve Detroit, serve the city that we live in and live by. But the idea about give back is more of the idea of an other-centered perspective. It's not about just isolated actions like throwing a $5 bill in the hard work donation. It's not about, uh, on Thanksgiving my family went down and served in the soup kitchen. Both awesome things. Donating money to kids who are starving to death. Agreeing to give up a holiday to hang out with people might not have family, might not have any food. Those are great things. But it's not just about those isolated actions. It's this idea of a changed lifestyle. Putting the needs of others before yourself in your daily life. Uh, has anybody ever heard the acronym RAOK? Oh, come on, think. R-A-O-K. I'll start it. Random, random acts of kindness. Sometimes they actually just do R-O-K. They're R-A-O-K. But either way, R-A-O-K. Random acts of kindness. I'm going to tell you that that's not my favorite, random acts of kindness. A lot of people talk about how cool that is, about how little things that people do to each other just randomly. And those are cool, but that's not my favorite thing. My favorite thing starts with the letter P. I would write it P-A-O-K. And that would be a practical, but that's good too, planned acts of kindness. Not just randomly, like when I feel like it or when when it's easy or when I've got time or when I've got money, but a planned act of kindness is when I do it on purpose. Maybe it could be purposeful acts of kindness. It's not I'll throw a couple dollars to a donation when I got. It. 11 singles in my pocket, and I can spare a couple. It's not, I'll help that kid pick up his books because it's still three minutes before the bell rings. It's not, I guess I'll empty the dishwasher like Mom said because my show doesn't start for 10 minutes. That's random, but it's planned. You do it because you wanted to do it, you did it because you planned to do it, and you do it no matter what. It's about taking the time, or even the talents that you have, or even your money. Sometimes when I put those three things together, I call it time, treasure, and talents. It's really easy because they all start with T. I can remember the three things that God calls me to give back. You know, it's funny because even people who don't necessarily know God understand this idea. Um, I've been reading this book. It's called uh, Fast Living, and it's about this idea of that, Most people who have studied the world have said that it will take about 20 to 25 years to end world poverty. Some of you are like, well, what do you mean end world poverty? And they say, actually, with the resources that are available in the world right now, and the ability to get the resources to those people, we have the ability right now to make sure that not one person in the world is living in poverty within the next 25 years. In this book, one of the things they talked about is that there are some famous people out there, some really, really rich people out there who have signed this pledge, who have said, I'm agreeing right now to give away 10% of all my wealth. Now, actually, those of you who are people who have studied the Bible know that actually the Bible calls us to give 10% of everything we have, our money, our time, talent, treasure, but they've talked about 10% of their money, and that's, that's actually a pretty big chunk, especially when you think about some of the people who have signed that pledge, or people like Bill Gates, People like Warren Buffett. I mean, billionaires. Not millionaires, billionaires. So when we're talking about 10%, you're talking about somebody who's worth $10 billion, they're giving away a billion dollars. And as easy as it is for you guys to say, oh, it's easy to give away a billion dollars, You still got $9 billion. And people always say that. (laughs) Whenever somebody rich gives away a big chunk of money, it always cracks me up. People are like, oh yeah, he can give it away. So you're telling me if you have $10, you can't give away a dollar? All of a sudden I oh yeah, I guess that's a big deal. (laughs) kind of back down a little bit but they get it even people who don't know God or don't really live out their faith I'm not going to say that I know exactly where Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and those guys are with God but they don't really ever talk about God so I'm going to make some assumptions that they're just out of their own kind of feeling of knowing what's right responding to this here's another story about a guy you know, I mean, most of you heard of Bill Gates many of you heard of Warren Buffett probably one of the most successful businessmen America's ever had and he's just you know a guy just crazy rich what about Blake Mykoski? You ever heard of him? Oh, come on. I know you know who he is. You might just not know his name. Blake Mykoski. You know, Blake Mykoski spent some time in South America, actually, in the country, Argentina. And as he was walking around, literally just as a tourist, he saw a bunch of kids that run around with no shoes on. Figured out yet? Who's Blake Mykoski? Tom Shoes. Tom Shoes. His idea, you know what? There's kids who don't have shoes, and I'm going to do something about it. He said, I got excited about planning a way that kids get shoes. So this guy comes back to America, starts a company, and says, hey, every time somebody buys a pair of shoes, I'm going to give a pair of shoes to somebody else. I think he made a really for this everybody, but anyways. <laughs> Tom Shoes, this guy says, you know what, I got to play it. guys, they all have a plan. They all said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make an impact. Even they did. You know, the Bible is actually full of stories of all these kings and all these rich people who weren't even necessarily followers of God, but who understood what it was. And they were urged by God, urged by their sense of right, the sense of not doing wrong, to do these big things. You know, we've also been following the story of these guys called Do Perfect. And if we kind of cue up that last video... Um, we've been kind of joking about like, how funny it is that we built this whole sermon series, this whole element series off of guys who can throw trick basketball shots. It's kind of goofy, actually, if you think about it. Kind of a weird approach. But you know these guys, well, they understand what it means to give back. As their videos started to grow, we talked about the one that hit, what was it, like a million hits in two hours. Going through from the top of the Texas A&M football stadiums, whatever, it, you know, how many feet that was. It's crazy. Okay. Their name started to, yeah, way up high. Their name started to spread. They decided, you know, we need to we need to do something about this. Millions of people are watching their videos. And, and I'm sure the first step that many of you who know anything about the Internet and about business on the Internet, money on the Internet, they said, we need to start throwing some ads on ours. And they said, even better than that, they set up this deal where, I don't even remember what the ratio was, but for like every thousand views, they started dropping a big chunk of change towards this clean water project in Africa. And the money started just really piling up because from all the people that watch their videos, you guys know how it works, that there's an ad there. When you watch the video, like they get paid to have those ads on there. And so as more people watch it, they they pay higher prices for the ads. And as the Dude Perfect name, brand name begin to grow. They begin to start getting more and more money. And they start sending more and more money. And pretty soon, the Dude Perfect guys go, We've been sending all this money to Africa. We got to check it out, and that's what this is. Sir, that's a smile. That's it again. If your brain works like researchers say it does, those of you who have ever been out of the country on a trip like that, during the whole video your your connections. That's how your brain works. You connect it to what you know. Some of you have been out of the country. Uh, almost in the middle of that video, some of those kids that I saw last summer in El Salvador, some of the kids that I met a couple years ago in the Bahamas, their faces started taking over the faces of those kids there. And a couple of you are nodding to me that have been on some of those trips with me with Element, and you get it. You understand why those guys wanted to go there and to see and to meet and to just be with people. These guys got it. I mean, these guys were literally, they just went last summer. This is like six months ago they did this trip. And they were, they were like at the top of their game. The, the Dude Perfect brand name has been rising straight for like two years. I mean, they were at the ESPYS last year, you know, the whole red carpet, like with all the famous athletes. You know, they're doing big. They're going big. When they decided to go to Africa, they said, you know what? We see an opportunity that we've been given. All the advertisers and the speaking engagements, all the dude perfect merchandise. You saw all the hats there giving away free to those kids. You know, they said we want to do something about something in the world that we're passionate about. One of their nicknames for their group is the ambassadors of fun. They see, whenever we go somewhere and you heard Matt talking about his and my friendship, and over the years, like, we said we call it make your own fun. Like we just want to have fun, whatever we're doing. In fact, earlier when I said that quote, that that whole uh, Pray as if everything depends upon God. Live as if everything depends upon you. One guy we heard said, too, he's like, I throw in a third one. He said, so You've got to be careful with it, but it's just as important. And he said, Have as much fun as you can along the way. And that, man, I would really embraced that. But these guys, I don't know if you noticed, but I counted like a hundred different nerf balls, a ton of basketball. They brought all like suitcases, just full of this stuff, and just left it there. He said, Because these kids don't have any fun. I don't know if you noticed that the first basketball shot was in the middle of a garbage dump. That's where those kids live. You saw the crane like moving garbage. That's where the kids live. So, you know, even just some little stuff like bringing a bunch of Nerf footballs, dodgeballs, and basketballs, it made a big difference. So, these guys got it. They got the idea of giving back. There's a story in the Bible that I want to grab for a couple minutes that talks about the idea of giving back. I'm gonna throw that slide up on the screen. It's from the book of 2 Corinthians. And this guy Paul writes this, and he's sending a message to the people that live in the city of Corinth. I'm going to read through it real quick, and I'm going to break it down for just a couple minutes. It says, Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. These are farmer words. Sows is like stick the seeds in the ground, reap is like pick them. So I'm a farm boy, so I know this stuff. (laughs) Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, not like, okay, I'll give. Or not, oh, I'll give. Reluctantly, com, or under compulsion, not that way. Not reluctantly, or not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It goes on to a couple more verses. That's all right. Maybe. That's all. Right. Oh. I... Is there one more slide? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, this is from two weeks ago. <laughs> is there any more from 2 Corinthians? No, no. All right, we're going to cut it right there then. Actually, no, we're not. <laughs> Give me 30 seconds and I'm on it. You've got your Bibles. Now that we have time. Because I have time. find <laughs> 2 Corinthians. I almost left my Bible sitting in the back. Turns out to be again, a good choice. And Second Corinthians 9. And I just showed you 6 through 8. And we're also going to snag verses 10 through 18. 10 through 15. And I'm going to read those right now. Chapter nine, Second Corinthians. Chapter 9. And we're going to look at 10 through 15. So we just did 6 through 8. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You who will be rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you improved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. So not just because you're saying that, but because you're living it to, he said in heaven, praise God. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God's gift. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. You know, in the beginning of this passage, he talks about giving generously. He says, don't really worry if you're going to have enough left. Now, I don't think he's calling you to like, go to your bank and stick out every single dollar you have and just be like, hey, I'm going to give it all away. Uh, I mean, maybe he is. But Unless you hear that voice in your heart, probably God a wise decision. You know, God will tell you what he wants you to give if you ask God. If all men be careful. Because if you ask God, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to give? you a, a decision listen to God. Or tell God no. That's scary. In fact, I was in that exact position this summer when, uh, actually, we were on a summer trip just like the one Matt was talking about. I I feel like I could probably literally stand here and tell the complete truth and tell you that every single time I've gone on a trip with Ellen somewhere in the summer, God has changed my life. 14 years in a row. 16 trips. Every time. God's changed my life. This summer, we were talking about the idea of giving things away. And there were people talking about, you know what, I'm giving up Starbucks. And they said, I think I drink a $4 drink about every other day. So if I did that for like a whole year, it's like 180 days times 4 bucks, that's $720. And I'm going to give $720 away this year. And as I'm sitting there praying, and I asked the dangerous question that I just told you, you better be careful and just say, God, what do you want me to give up? What do you want me to do? God says, I want you to get rid of your truck. He says, I want you to get rid of your truck. I want you to sell your truck. I want you to give away all the
1: money. I don't have like a
0: brand new truck. It's 1998. Ford F 150. XLT. I love that truck. I've been driving it for 11 years. Literally, every person in Macomb County knows that truck and knows that it's me. It. I would pull up, like, the 12-inch shader, I'd be stopped at a stop sign, and somebody go, somebody would see my truck from behind, they couldn't even see me because like the tints and the windows were really. Hey, Mr. Nitz, what's up? Or my favorite was, hey, element guy, what's going on? <laughs> they knew my truck. This is my truck that had it for 11 years, and God was saying, to send your truck. So I'm about seven seats down from Pastor John McDonald and I go over to John and I go, John, I think God just told me to give away my truck. No, I don't think it. I'm sounding with you. I know God told me to just give away my truck and I know tomorrow I'm going to be able to rationalize this away. I have three kids. I lead a crazy busy lifestyle. I can't just get rid of my truck. And even more, God, God told me, he's like, I don't want you to buy another vehicle. I want you to live with just one vehicle which for a family with three kids, and I coach, and I volunteer here, and I'm just like in all these different places, this was going to be a huge time commitment to me to do this, as well as just getting on my favorite truck. So I tell John, I'm like, John, tomorrow I'm going to want to back down from this. You need to hold me to it. I said, tomorrow, I'm going to tell my wife, and my wife's probably going to think I'm nuts. Which maybe I was a little bit, but I was okay with that. So I come home, and with the amazingness of Facebook, I sold my truck in about 12 hours. And we had gotten on this thing called Blue Book, it tells you how much your used vehicle is worth. And they said your vehicle is worth about $2,900, which is a little sobering. To me. I'm a little mad. Like, come on, Your truck's worth more than that. And I'm like, all right, I accepted it. So I posted for $2,900 in about 12 hours. Somebody buys it. They come over to my house, and I didn't tell them why I was selling it. And they wrote a check for $3,000. It slid across the table, and I was kind of like, inside my head, i like, and you don't have that, like, like, have you ever gotten too much change from the cash, from like that uh, cash register, the, you know, the cashier? You give back too much change, and that, that moment where you're like, oh, I just got five extra bucks. Hey, you gave me too much change. And so that, I had that decision to make, and I made it, and I said, hey, it was, we agreed on $2,900. She said, I know But I heard what you're doing with the money. So that's 200. Fly to that time. I said, thanks. So I sold my truck. This is in July. Just bought a uh, new vehicle last Friday. Been living for about six, seven months one vehicle. And uh, man, I would love to tell you a story of. Oh, it was such a blessing. Like, I learned so much about myself because I had to walk places and I had to ride my bike in the rain. People always get to of me. for like, I don't know I to drive bike in the rain. And I'm bumming rides off people sometimes that I don't even know very well. There's a lot of people in this room that have given me a ride before. I'm asking, like, teenagers, hey, can, 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 I, can I have a ride home? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you going home soon? Or, you know, I'll be stuck somewhere. My wife will say, well, I can pick you up at 9 you know what I I would love to tell you this awesome story of like somebody just gave me this brand new truck the next week and God blessed me five times as much as what I gave away from. I can't tell you that story. It sucked. I hated not having a vehicle. I hated walking to over to Tower from my house, which is not even that far, but I was like, it's freezing cold and I needed to be there five minutes ago, and if I had a truck, I would have been there five minutes ago. And it wasn't easy. You know, sometimes when we talk about giving back, you're that person where they went to the soup kitchen and you're like, well, how was it? And they go, oh, it was so rewarding. I felt so blessed. I know I was there to bless those people, but they just made me appreciate. And they just have this like warm, fuzzy feeling of, oh, I just feel so fulfilled when I serve there. Shut up. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about your personal fulfillment from helping those people that are less fortunate than you. No, it's not. It's not what it's about. It's about helping people. It's about them. It's not about you. It was a tough six months. I kind of made the decision, kind of like some people who choose to fast things, like if you fast food and on purpose you don't eat. I'm not talking about to lose weight, but I'm talking about as, as a person who wants to know more about God, sometimes when you take something out of your life, like food for one meal, like if you skip lunch on purpose, and then every time your stomach feels hungry, it reminds you, oh, I'm, I'm going to pray right now. Well, I got to tell you, even after six months, that started getting old. As I was walking places, as I was humbly looking around the room, going, who was going to be the least awkward person to ask for a ride? <laughs> but at those moments, I did. I prayed, and I said, God, man, it's pretty ridiculous that I whine about having a van, a vehicle in my house. Some people I have not one. Some people have a whole lot less than a, a, a vehicle. Pretty tough decision on my part, but I know it was the right thing to do. You know, I didn't win a new car, I didn't win the lottery, and have money in the bank to buy this brand new car, or have some other car fall in my lap. I spent six months riding my bike, walking, bumming rides off people, and it all worked really well. Sometimes people trolled uh, trolled me. Even my own dad was like, "Seriously, you're gonna sell that truck? It's in great shape." Doug's taking great care of it. It's going to run for another 100,000 miles. Why would you sell it? You're only going to get $3,000 for it. Why don't you, like, why don't you keep it and then like save a bunch of money and then just give that money away that you would have bought for a new vehicle? And I said, no, you don't understand. This is what God said to do. And as whacked out as I'm sure you might think it is, this is what I need to do. You know, that passage in Corinthians, this is what Paul's talking about. He says, the person who gives generously will receive generously. It didn't mean that I was going to get this awesome new car the next week. It didn't mean that if I walk over to the, to the donation thing and I, and I take out $5 out of my pocket and I slide it in the donate box, that when I get ready to go home from element that night, that I'm going to open my coat and, like, find the 20 like Whoa! It didn't mean that's going to happen. isn't going to just magically turn into... I mean, I don't know. God, if you to do that, my coat's right back there. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't think that's what he's talking about. But God will bless you for it. You know, he goes on and he talks about putting the seeds in the ground and farming it to grow. And what I know about is if you do plant a seed, what grows up is a whole lot bigger than the seed. And then all of a sudden it makes a bunch of fruit, which makes a bunch of seeds. And it kind of does this grow out thing. We're like, as you begin to bless other people, as you begin to give back to other people, it begins this kind of a spreading mentality. Some people have used the phrase to pay it forward. God's given us resources, and we should really invest in some other people. This is part of God's plan of how serving the people. More importantly, the Bible tells us that as we give back, like the part in the end of that verse that we looked at, there were two big responses. first one, by giving back, there's an expression of thanking God for what he's done for us. Second one, it says, when you start to give back to other people, they will start to praise God. They'll start to wonder, why are you doing this? They'll start to wonder, wow, thanks God. They'll start to turn their hearts towards God as you begin to give back to them. You know, that's when God's glory begins to be seen, when you begin to do things like this. Because our own personal glory Can I go back to that football quarterback that I talked about earlier? Our own personal glory, that's way too small a thing to live for. That's a phrase that's haunted me for a while when I've talked about like, well, this is where I want my career to be. This is where I want to be as a father. This is where I want to be as a teacher, a speaker. This is where I want to be. Even as an athlete, I'm like getting old. I'm not even that good at stuff anymore. But I'm like, this is where I want to be. My own personal glory, way too small a thing to live for. I want to live my life in such a way as to make an impact on the world for Jesus Christ. I want to give back. So let's go backwards. First week, get excited. What are you passionate about? What can you do for the kingdom of God that no one else can do? What is your excitement? What just gets you pumped? Next, own it. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to let it sit as a pipe dream? Just never do anything about it? Just down and talk about it? Or are you going to do something about it? Third, Inspire others. Look around you. Who else will do this with you? Who else could you inspire to come alongside you to serve God, to serve God's people? How can you work together? How can you involve other people in something bigger than you? And tonight, give back. How is this plan of yours going to serve God's people? Maybe it's something local? inside your school, inside your fifth hour class. Maybe it's something broader. Maybe it's the whole city. Maybe it's another country. Or maybe it's the whole world. How can you give back? In Element, we have this simple saying to describe our people. And when I when I say our people, I literally mean you. Not you that's been here for three years, but you. First time visitor on a Wednesday night to Element, Maybe you got invited by a friend tonight. Maybe you've been here a bunch before on a Friday night. Heard Matt or I talked a little bit about who God is. Maybe you've been here three or four times. Maybe you've been here for years. But <laughs> elements, students, you. This is the phrase we use. Ordinary students. Extraordinary, or you might say extraordinary, lives. Ordinary students. Check the uh, black lights on the way down in the hallway. You'll see it. Ordinary students. Extraordinary lives. Are you going to live for something bigger than yourself? You know, in talking with a few of you over the last few weeks, I know that there's a few of you who have made some big decisions to go big for God. You're tired of the ordinary. And maybe even as I talk tonight, some of you have kind of had these plans cemented in your head. When I first started talking, I said these words, pray as if everything depends on God and live as if everything depends on you. Most of what I've talked about tonight has to do with the second part because I said we sometimes leave that off. We sometimes don't live as if everything depends on us. But I want to look back to the front half. Pray as if everything depends on God. And I think this is where I'd kind of like to close out tonight. Uh, I'm going to plant a seed right now in your head to give you a minute or two to think about it. But I'm going to ask for maybe, I I don't know, two or or three or four of you to have some serious guts right now. And to stand up right where you're at and tell us your go big dream. Some of you are like, no way. Okay, hold on. Something that you have that God has put on your heart. Some of you are ready right now and some of you are still processing those things. I'm excited that a couple of you are ready right now because it's not like something that, oh, Aaron just said it, so now I got... No, you've been planning it. You've been ready. And I want us to take a chance to pray over a couple of those people. You know, last week, uh, one of our former students, Aaron Clancy, took off for Africa just like the guys in the video. And, And I... I almost forgot one of our core uh, values here at Element about how we pray for each other about how the strength comes from that and some of you were part of that little circle that came around here yesterday and we began to pray a blessing over her and an encouragement over her and scripture over her and life over her and I gotta tell you there's no other place I'd rather be than that place with the people that believe in me but I believe in them and we're in the presence of God. And so, what I want to do right now is I want to give a couple of you a chance. And some of you have a friend here tonight that's, whether it's the friend or the stranger, sharing what you're going to share might be a little embarrassing. But you know what? If you've got something bigger than you that you're living for, inspire some other people. Tell us how you want to get back. Let me hear from a couple of you, and maybe after a couple of people have shared, I want to invite some people forward to pray with those people. Let's have a couple of people share first. Go for a man. Uh, I really want to go, you know, to another country and help all those, you know, those little kids, those poor kids, like in the videos, you know, I just want to see them smile. And, uh, and uh, That's a big deal. That's not like, well, I think I'm going to do this. It's going to take some serious planning. It's a lot of commitment. That's awesome. That is, that's the kind of Go Big Dream that we're talking about. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. Sometimes those are the toughest things to do with people, I mean it's tough to go around the world to another country. Sometimes it's tough to talk to you, people that are closest to you because if they know you. You might be afraid of judging them. You might be afraid of the awkward next conversation that happens the day after that. i be here for a couple more of I you. Mean, I've had some one-on-one conversations with you and you've shared with me, but this should be a great time to share with the rest of the group. What if you're a baby? Don't make it. Stand up and tell it. Sit on it. You can't tell us. How do you get to the next step? How do you going to own it? How are you going to inspire other people if you're not inspired enough to name it? How are you to take your chance to give it back if you don't get started? Something that's not just a little thing of like, well, I want to do good at this little thing that I'm trying, and I want to do this, but it's bigger than that. Whether it's to travel to another country and have a chance to change someone else's life. Or whether it's to look across row three to row four in algebra class and change someone's life. Great dreams. God's called you to live out those great dreams. Here's what I want to do in the last couple minutes here. I want to take some time to, to pray over those people that were bold enough to stand up. <laughs> so if you're bold enough to stand up, uh, you're probably bold enough to let some people pray for you. There's a thousand different ways you can pray. One of our kind of favorites is uh, when we kind of gather around someone, stand next to them. Some people like to put a hand on their shoulder. Some people just want to stand right next to them, let them know you're there. When we pray out loud, you pray in your head. The person won't know what you're praying for. Other person that's standing right next to you you will know what you're praying for, and they can all begin to agree. They can all begin to become one mind together. So, maybe there's, I think there's like maybe six of you. I'm going to ask you to step out in faith and maybe step out in the aisle or one step forward or one step to the side. We want to pray for you. So, are you guys willing to do that with me? Yeah, Adam, go ahead, man. You let do uh, it. Karina, Sam, anybody else? Let's do that. Why don't you guys stand up right now. Maybe, they know, maybe you know any of those five people and you're like, oh boy, this could be weird. Don't worry about it. Walk over towards one of them. Some of their best friends are gathering close to them. Don't worry. Pray for them.